0: I'm super excited today uh, to nerd out with Isabel Friend. I've been wanting to have her on the podcast for a while. I have so much respect for her level of expertise. Um, and I don't throw that term around lightly. Like I I always twinge when someone calls me an expert because I'm the kind of person who takes like a lot of different information from a lot of different places um and don't feel like i really niche into any place but i always have so much respect for someone who does and the level of wisdom that she carries around this topic in both the, the spaces of science and kind of the spaces of spirituality and wu is like mind boggling to me so i'm i'm very excited
1: welcome thank you so much for the warm welcome i really appreciate that amanda it's a pleasure to be here with you
0: yeah So I wanted to have her on for multiple reasons because uh, this is a year of the water rabbit and it's so important that we like take care of the waters of our body always and hydrate ourselves always, but it's like especially highlighted right now. Um, And also because we over here at Barn and Flow like to think about deconditioning from a completely holistic perspective. Like I don't like to just read about the chart. I like to figure out how we can use it in a utilitarian way and how we can transmute lower vibrations and how we can, um, decondition from not just a mental rewiring, emotional repatterning, patterning place, but also from a somatic space from the, like, kind of, we do a lot of fascia work in the collective, um, but also the waters of our body. So, how would you speak about first and foremost, kind of like deconditioning the waters of our body or like the types of, I know you mentioned de-traumatizing water and how that relates to water separately from us, but also like the waters in our, in our beings.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is such a a rich and juicy topic. And I'm so glad that You brought it up because it's not something that I get to speak about very often, but this really is one of the primary roles of water in nature. One of her primary dharmas, you could say, is the role of the memory holder, the memory carrier. Some say that she is actually the the physical manifestation of memory. In fact, the word memory itself comes from the word mem, which means water, and ori, which means light. And so it is this these patterns of light and vibration and frequency that get stored in water that actually are the foundation and the basis for what we consider to be memory, record-keeping our um, our understanding of the past. Whether we have access to it through water or not, she has access to all of the memory in all time, space, and dimension. And it's not just memory backwards in time, but Water also has memory forwards in time, which we can get into a little later. uh, If you want, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit holes to begin with, but, um, you know, even the word remember remember comes from again mem meaning water and bear meaning to bear or to carry and re meaning again so to remember something is to carry that water again to bear that water again and so there are really kind of two ways of conceptualizing of this at least for the purposes of today's conversation one is uh our drinking water and the water in nature the water on our mother earth which represents our collective unconscious What is the collective memory stored in the new sphere that we all share together? Um, And then more personally, what is the memory that's carried in our own bio waters? Um, And, You know, a lot of people also conceptualize of the the concept of memory as being something that's stored in the Akashic records, something that's stored less physically and more kind of ethereally in this realm of uh, etheric energy. And yet what we find, the deeper we look into water science, and there are a number of different researchers who have just done groundbreaking pioneering work in this field, is we find that water is actually the physical form of the etheric field water is an organ generator meaning it's it's the primary accumulator of that etheric or akashic energy that uh, field of of infinite information that exists kind of as a a morphogenetic field um, around every living thing and that water the way I kind of think of it is um, You know, what we think of as physical water, meaning ice, liquid, and vapor, is the physical body of water. But just like you have a mind, body, and a spirit, water also has a mind, body, and a spirit. And the Akashic records, or the storehouse of all memory and information, is really the mind of water with which she has constant interface and interaction in direct proportion to her health. And crystallinity. So the healthier, the more structured, the more crystalline, the more energized water is, the more she has direct access to that etheric field in, uh, A quantum span of time. I mean, we're not even talking about time here. We're talking about instantaneously she has uh, access to all that record keeping. Um, But of course, when water is dormant and comatose and traumatized, she does not have access to that level of of energy. Um, And so part of our role, part of our dharma as bodies of water on this planet is to bring water into a higher state of coherence or ennoblement so that she can perform her role of bringing these higher energies. And you could even say bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth through her capacity to to channel those vibrations. Um, And then also of course, to do the same for our bodies to keep these sacred holy temples of our bodies as coherent as possible. It was really hard to do in our modern world of course because not only is just about everything somewhat toxic but you know we are not at all living the ways that our ancestors lived. Our ancestors lived very hydrating lifestyles. Nowadays as Dr. Zach Bush said we're living in a desert without realizing it. So the vast majority of our modern experiences are actually drying us out and water is life therefore hydration is health so you can draw a direct correlation to um, your level of health both mentally uh, physically spiritually emotionally and your level of hydration and we can get into some of the science about why that is and how that works if you want but um, that's a that's a lot right there so I'll just pause and see where you want to take it
0: yeah oh my god (laughs) I could seriously just not say anything for this entire hour and let (laughs) you go. It's pretty incredible. I love the way that you're speaking about water from a cosmic lens um, because, you know, we look at things, most things over here in in this pocket of the podcast world through a cosmic lens. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love... I've never heard of remembering broken down that way. But the way that I often speak about human design is that it's a path to remembering our authentic self, like our core Mm -hmm. essence underneath all of the conditioning, underneath all of the societal homogenized ideas about who we should be and what success looks like and what's right and not right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love the idea that that's kind of rooted in water. And like, Absolutely. how we use water to, to help us along our deconditioning
1: path? Absolutely. Well, when you think about it, biologically speaking, when we come into this world as a baby, we are basically 100% highly, highly, highly structured water, right? Where, Well, realistically speaking by volume, we're about 90% structured water as babies, um, volumetrically speaking. And then molecularly speaking throughout our entire lives, we're around 99.95% water molecules. So for every thousand molecules in your body, 999 and a half of them are water. So we are functionally, in essence, we are water beings. It's not just that our body uses water, our bodies are water. And when you start seeing your body through that lens all levels of healing start becoming a lot clearer. Um, A lot of aspects of life start becoming a lot clearer and start flowing a lot better. So when babies come in, 90% volumetrically, whereas as an adult, you're 60 to 70% water volumetrically. Uh, As an elder, you're about 50% water volumetrically. So you know we can see the process of aging is actually really just a process of drying out and you know the the it's been said that death is just a process of completely destructured bio water so we not only look at the the volume of how much water is in the body we also look at the state and the quality of that water what is its level of coherence and Um, the older we get, the less coherence we have in that body water. Also, the sicker we get, the less coherence we have in that body water. You can look at the body water of a person with literally any state of disease and their intracellular fluid is far less structured than that of a younger or healthier person. So we come into this world 100% highly structured, highly coherent water. And one of the fundamental um Capacities of water when it's in its structured crystalline state is that it can receive, store, amplify, transduce, and transmit energy, vibration, light, and frequency in the exact same way that a crystal can fundamentally structured water is a living liquid crystal. It's actually what gives us the capacity to conduct life force energy, to conduct our our subconscious mind that is stored in the highly conductive uh, water of our fascia or our conscious mind, which is stored in the highly conductive water of our cerebral spinal fluid. And as a baby, because this water is completely in its prime resonance, right the the most um, patterning, or programming factor that it has experienced yet which would be the moment of your birth the moment which is the the most beautiful or traumatic or whatever the most intense moment that your bio water has experienced so far when you're a baby is the moment of your birth which is one of the reasons why the astrological chart really patterns your bio water in such a significant and profound way when we are born by our water our mother's water is breaking <clears throat> from the amniotic fluid, which has the exact same mineral composition as seawater, you know we start our our lives really as aquatic beings for the first nine months, and then we, when we come onto dry land, we tend to forget that we are still aquatic beings. That we carry the oceans within ourselves, and that that those oceans are constantly being uh, programmed and patterned. They're receptive to, and they are responsive to everything in our environment. The ancients called water the sensitive chaos because it is fundamentally the sensory organ of the universe. It is sensing and feeling and hearing and seeing and perceiving uh, along a range of about 60 octaves. So it can perceive just about everything. We can barely perceive anything as human beings with our limited five or six senses, right? Um, But water has an incredible capacity to perceive everything and then to Store that information in the molecular Matrix so the older we get whereas uh you know when we're a baby we have this highly structured perfectly coherent bio water that is resonating at the frequency of our own unique, being the older we get, the more our bio water actually gets patterned by these different events or stimuli in our environment. And it's not even necessarily that the events themselves in our environment are what pattern our bio water, although that is true to an extent. It is mostly our responses to and our perceptions of the events that are happening in our external environment that actually vibrationally pattern our bio water to carry specific structural information and therefore to be able to channel certain frequencies and not channel others, right? Because the permutations in the structural symmetry are the idiosyncratic expressions of our personality, which get more and more pronounced as we age, right? And um, there are a number of different ways to to read this, um, but Basically, our body keeps the score. We've all heard that. There's even a book of that name, right? The body keeps the score, but fundamentally it's actually the bio water that keeps the score, that retains all of that memory. And so when you recognize how to work with hydration as your your kind of primary um, guiding compass in life as a body of water, as a body who is 99.95% water molecules, then you start to see that the more hydrated you are, actually the less things, uh, can negatively impact you. Oh, there's my cute cat. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we can see in various studies that, for example, the more hydrated you are, um, yeah, the, the more you just kind of flow with life and, um, the more dehydrated you are, the more you are prone to anxiety, stress, depression, uh, trouble, concentrating, mood swings, all these different things that if they occur occasionally are totally natural and and normal. And But if they occur consistently, they end up becoming kind of the dominant paradigm in your experience and they end up kind of um, becoming personality traits. And so hydration itself just literally makes you more resistant against trauma. And then hydration can also be an effective, uh, I don't want to say treatment for legal reasons, but can be an effective strategy for dealing with existing trauma in the body. And when I say hydration, I really, really want to make it clear. And if people take nothing else away from this entire conversation, but only this one point, it would be When I say hydration, I don't mean drinking more water. That's not, hydration does not equal drinking more water. Drinking more water is irrigation. You can irrigate all day long. You can drink tons of water and just pee it straight out. And it makes very little difference. If it's poor quality water, or if your own bio water is not primed to receive and put it to use, then drinking water isn't going to hydrate you. In fact, a lot of the different waters that people drink are actively dehydrating them, distilled water, reverse osmosis water, and, and some various other kinds of very, Uh, Processed industrialized waters are what hydrologists refer to as an aggressive solvent. They leach minerals from your body. And so they're dehydrating and, and can even be carcinogenic or lead to things like diuresis and heart disease over time. When I'm talking about hydration, I'm talking more about the state and capacity of your bio waters, the waters that you are made of how much water is in your body, how structured is that water? What is the isotopic composition of that water? In other words, what kinds of hydrogen is in it? Is it protium hydrogen or is it deuterium hydrogen? And what is the, um, the mineral profile is it oceanic or has it deviated from the ocean, the Cambrian oceanic mineral profile that your, that your blood should have. Um, and then the fifth, um, aspect of true hydration would be how well can your bio water transition between different hydrological cycles within your body. So your body has all of the same hydrological cycles that the earth has and, um, you know, you have springs inside of you. We call that the production of metabolic water inside of the cells. Uh, You have, you know, the, the uh, deep underground aquifers of the earth as, as uh, your bloodstream and the rivers of the earth as your bloodstream and, um, and your fascia, I think of as like the mycorrhizal mycelial network of the earth, which is also all of those, those uh, mycelial complexes are also mostly water and they, they transfer information along the planet in this incredible, vastly interconnected network of intelligence in the same way that your fascia does. And so when we understand the earth's ecology and the earth's hydrology, we understand our body's hydrology as well. So we want to make sure that For example, in the same way water should be able to transition easily between an aquifer and rise up to a spring to become a river, we also want to make sure that water can transition easily between our lymph and our blood and our cerebral spinal fluid and to make sure that our fascia is able to do its primary role in the body, which is uh, being an irrigation network. So, if you think of all of your cells as being like aquatic organisms, like fishes in an ecosystem, then uh, or fishes in an aquatic ecosystem, then you could think of your fascia as being that which delivers the water throughout this aquarium body that we live and our consciousness swims in. And so, that fascial network, when it gets dried out in certain areas, that tends to happen, you know, by physical trauma, by emotional trauma, by spiritual trauma. Um, These these different uh, impacts that happen. And then that particular area of our fascia gets dried out. And when it gets dried out, it gets knotted up. And when it gets dried and it gets knotted, then water cannot be delivered along that fibrous netting. My fascia is 80% water and 20% collagen and protein. And yet, ironically, uh, as we do in general, in, in as humans, we kind of ignore the water and we just say, oh yeah, good. Fascia is, is collagen. Fas- Fascia is protein, Um, but actually, it's far more water than it is protein. And it's just the water that allows the protein to hold it in that matrix. Right. So, it's some of the most highly structured water in our in our bodies, bar none. You know, the, the water that's inside of our DNA that holds the DNA and its chiral structure is probably the most structured water in our bodies. And the cerebral spinal fluid is probably, you know, up there as well. And then the fascia must be incredibly crystalline in order to channel uh information, vibration, light, and frequency a thousand times faster even then your nerves signal, your fascia is aware of what's happening in your environment proprioceptively, even before your conscious mind is aware of it. And so when we keep that fascial network very juicy and very hydrated, then it can irrigate every single one of our cells effectively. But if we don't understand fascia primarily as being the hydrator then it'll be hard for us to really optimize its function. And it'll be hard for us to really mitigate any trauma that the water might, or that the fascia might store in drought stricken regions or desertified regions within our body. Those, those uh, desertified localized areas where the fascia is dried out, where it stores trauma and where it starts to build up inflammation which of course in Latin comes from "inflammatio," which means to set on fire. What happens when you set something on fire? Of course you want water to put it out, right? We need our fascia to be very, very, very hydrated. So I'll pause there for a second. Anything you want to dive into? (laughs) You know,
0: there are some people who you just know that they're doing exactly what they were born to do. And you are definitely one of those people. I should have like taken a peek at your chart before before this, because I'm like so curious now. Um I have like 14 questions from that. Yeah and I love that you're speaking about hydration also as a form of protection. It's like the same thing that we can help ourselves by clearing out trauma, by clearing out trapped emotions and default settings that we're running. Um and we can also like uh have kind of stronger boundaries by shoring up and supporting the waters of our body and selfishly, this is a topic that I really wanted to talk about because I very much struggle with hydration. I think people who have their moon in detriment or fire moons, like I have an Aries moon particularly struggle to stay hydrated. It's just Mm -hmm. like you have a lot of fire energy in this place that wants to be really juicy and moist. So Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about, I want to talk about hydration in general, but I wanted to start with, you said um, priming the bio waters of our body and how important that is in relationship to our, to just the types of water that we drink, which we can get to. Um, so I'd love for you to speak to that, to to tips or ways that we can contemplate or think about or integrate um, priming the bio waters.
1: Okay, for sure. Well, first, I want to touch on something that you said about um, your moon being in detriment and being in a fire sign. And, um, you know, we tend to think of fire and water as being antagonistic to each other or being the antithesis of one another. But I kind of want to maybe offer another perspective of the way that we can think about the elements in general because we tend to think of there we tend to think of there being four elements right earth water fire and air or if you're in the chinese system there are five elements but water is not just one of the elements in the way that we've been taught i mean you are made of water it is what you are fundamentally, you know, each of your cells is seventy percent water. The Earth is your body as a whole volumetrically is seventy percent water. The Earth is seventy percent water. The seventy percent of the um, condensed matter in our outer solar system is water. Seventy uh, percent of all of the measurable phenomena in our entire universe is hydrogen, which in Latin literally translates to hydro, water and gen creator. It's the creative essence of water. What I like to think of as the spirit of water. We won't get into dark matter and dark energy right now, unless you want to get into it later. Cause that's a really fun topic. If you want to talk about the cosmology of water as a whole nother, uh, rabbit trail, but we'll just keep it at the measurable universe for now. Right. And so 70% of everything is water volumetrically, but the nature of everything, everything is water. When you, when physicists measure, uh, the nature of reality on a subatomic scale, subatomically, the universe behaves as a superfluid, which is basically like water that never runs out of energy. When they measure it on a macrocosmic scale, when they measure uh, the behavior of, of black holes and galaxies and all of this, uh, they measure it in terms of a superfluid, a water that never runs out of energy. The entire universe is fluidic in nature and are very, are, we basically are swimming in water as creatures of water without realizing it, which I think is the main distinction that we will have to grok if we hope to positively shift from the age of Pisces, where we swim as fish unaware of the water that we swim into the age of Pisces, where we consciously bear the responsibility and the power of this free energy generating infinite intelligence, ancient wisdom uh, being that is water on this planet which is another rabbit hole we could go down but but so to think about water differently not just as one of the four elements but as the element of existence of of our universe and then within that water is the only element that gives birth to the other elements that contains the other elements and that can become the other elements so i don't want you to feel like you are at a at a, um at injury in some way or um because you have a lot more water in your chart any or a lot more fire in your chart to anybody who's listening because you know where does fire primarily come from we think of fire as being ruled by the sun right that if there were no sun there could be no fire on this planet that's typically you know how it's how it's conceived of and how how was the sun created? Well, the sun was born inside of a cloud complex uh, called the Orion Cloud Nebula, and that nebula is filled with enough water to fill the Earth's oceans ten million times. Water is both the mother and the midwife in the process of creating every single star in our universe. No star could be created without water within those star nurseries, and then even within the sun. There are tons and tons and tons of water stored within the dark umbra or the sunspots of the sun and water and, and the sun itself isn't even burning in the way that fire on earth burns, right? To to burn, you need a lot of oxygen. You need something to burn up. If the sun burned in the way that water that fire on earth burns, it would burn out within a few years, but it's actually hydrogen. It's a giant hydrogen star and hydrogen, as we said, is hydro, water, and gen creative, the creative spirit of water that fuels our sun and our sun even creates water and its, it's dark umbra and it's sunspots and was created by water in the star nursery. So fire is created by water. Also, fire, uh, water contains fire. So when we think of fire as being electromagnetic energy, heat, and light water stores, all of those within her structural matrix and water can also become fire. A lot of people don't realize this. I didn't even realize it until a few years ago. I mean, I've been studying water since 2009 and I just found this out a few years ago. It still blows my mind and I, I still want to understand it better. Um, but there is a, a particular phase of water, called plasma. And with plasma phase water, you can generate what's called a flaser, which is a fluid laser. And even though it's just water, it's burning at thousands and thousands of degrees. But because water is more implosive than explosive in nature, you can put your hand right next to that laser, that fluid laser, and your hand won't get burned. Yet, if you put something in the path of that laser, it will burn that thing at thousands of degrees. So, water can also become fire. And it does that with all of the elements. You know, Earth, the Earth element comes from water in the sense that. Before there was ever Pangaea, which was the very first landmass, there was Panthalassa, which is a giant super ocean that bathed the entire world. The whole planet was ocean for eons before there was ever a little bit of land that rose up. And even now, she is far more water, far more ocean than she is land. We tend to be very terra-centric in our thinking as human beings. You know, we think of Earth as being land, but Earth is far more water than land. And when we understand water, we will understand how to take care of Mother Earth far better. We can go down that rabbit trail of of how uh, water controls climate, if you want. But just think of the entire planet as being Panthalassa, this giant primeval super ocean. Eventually, the earth rose from that and the earth element was created from uh, from the water. And so water gave birth to the earth element. Water also contains the earth element. So just like we need to partake of the earth element when we eat foods that were grown in the soil or foods that ate foods that were grown in the soil, water needs to partake of the earth element by taking in minerals and electrolytes. This earth uh, has minerals that gets dissolved into the water. And when it dissolves and becomes electrically conductive, we call those electrolytes. That's very important to the overall well-rounded well-being of water as a whole balanced, healthy organism in and of herself. So water contains the earth element and water can also take the form of the earth element. So just like in her plasma phase, she takes the form of fire in her solid or uh, yeah, her solid phase, her ice phase, she takes the form of earth. So she can take the, the form of the earth element when she becomes solid. The same is true with air the air element. So water is the only element that gives rise to contains and can become all of the other elements. With the air element in the beginning of this planet, there was no atmosphere. There was no oxygen. What we currently think of as being air was actually generated by Panthalassa, that super ocean. It was created by the water. She generated that atmosphere from that water emerged uh, the first oxygen. And in fact, even now, you know, again, because we're are very terracentric. We tend to think of the forests as being, you know, the Amazon forest and the rainforest. And we tend to think of trees as being the primary generators of oxygen. And while that may be true to some extent on land for the earth as a whole, the algae within the ocean generate about 70% of the earth's oxygen. So every breath you take about 70% of that, uh, generally speaking, came from the ocean originally. Even our breath connects us with the water. And so then water created the air element. Water also contains the air element. So one of the most important factors for water's health, just like it's one of the most important factors for our health as bodies of water is the breath is breathing. The more or rather the better you breathe, the healthier you are. And the same is true of water. Water needs to exchange gases like oxygen and carbonic acid in order to be healthy. In fact, Dr. Tom Cowan said that he believed that one day it would be discovered that the uh, the dissolved gases within water would be discovered to be as important as the liquid water itself. And I would say you can't separate them just like you can't separate you from your breath we should not separate water from its breath, from its dissolved gases within it, from the nano bubbles that open up within it when it exchanges gases and when it oxygenates itself. However, we do that all the time whenever we. Separate water into, you know, plastic bottles and put them on the shelf and she's sedentary and she can't breathe, or we put her up in a, a municipal tank, you know, a, a storing, a municipal storage facility or that kind of thing. Um, you know, water is separated from her breath quite often because we don't as a society recognize that water is a living organism that needs to breathe and that breath is part of what makes her a whole well-rounded living organism. So when we think about the elements. I I don't want you to think of like, oh, you know, I have a lot of fire in my chart. And so that means I'm less watery. It means that you just have a unique avenue for connecting with water in a different way that somebody with a lot of air in their chart or a lot of water in their chart or a lot of earth in their chart might connect with water, right? Water is the governing queen of it all, (laughs) universally, planetarily, and bodily speaking. And so as a fiery being, you have a maybe a more fiery way of connecting with water that's not antagonistic. That is very, very, very symbiotic when you understand how to work with it. And I totally lost track of your original question because I went off on a tangent there. No, I love it. There's, thing like that you
0: 14 said, more. <laughs> There's like 14 more questions I want to ask from that space. I love it. I actually have a pretty watery chart, I just have a fire moon. Um, And since the moon is so tied to water and so tied to how we're nourished, I tend to think people with fiery moons have a little bit harder time in my experience with clients, but I love the reframe. um, And I like the idea of like um, contemplating a, a different kind of relationship with that, with that element. I mean, you said so many amazing things that just blew my mind. That's the- so
1: interesting. I'm going to have to ask some of my, cause I, I uh, meet with hydration clients one-on-one for anybody who wants like personalized work with developing or, a really conscientious hydration strategy that works for their budget and their lifestyle and and their physiology and all of those things. And um, I never thought to look at their charts before, but yeah, I'm going to see if they, I'm going to, I'm going to have to ask if they have more water moons or something like that. It wouldn't surprise me at all. It kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, Aries moons tend to have tend to be dehydrated in my experience and have cold hands and feet. <laughs> like, you can find out a lot from someone's chart. Um, I love that. I'm trying to decide which direction I want to take it because there's just like 45 directions. I mean, first I wanted to ask your thoughts on, because you're talking about how, you know, when we're born that we're like 99% water. And I always come from the idea that we're like 99.9 to the 13th degree energy. And I know water is mm-hmm. considered matter because it occupies space and it has volume so you just see it as like I mean obviously you know I'm wearing a Healy right now and it's sending frequency through the waters of my body and I have to be hydrated for that frequency to move not just along my fashion network and kind of the electrical system but it's like amplifying that frequency at the same time when you have water um if you're dehydrated then it's it's not going to travel um as fluidly but I'm curious, that kind of relationship between energy and water, I guess.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked this. This is, again, <laughs> such a juicy topic. So yeah, when we're speaking volumetrically, like by weight, we are about 70% water depending on what phase of life we're in, right? When we're speaking molecularly, just in terms of counting the number of molecules in our bodies, 99. Point, it the estimates vary between 99.89 and 99.95% water molecules, which by anyone's estimation is basically a hundred percent water molecules, right? So, um, energetically speaking, if you were to take any one of any single one of those water molecules that you're made of and look at what it's composed of For every one part matter, which is the hydrogen and the oxygen, which by the way, are just gases... And it still baffles scientists. It is one of the uh, almost 70 anomalies of water that scientists still cannot understand. There is no logical way in physics to describe how two gases come together and create a liquid, right? But somehow magically they do. You have these two gases, hydrogen and oxygen, they come together, they create the liquid of water, the liquid uh, or, or ice or vapor or plasma of water. They create water. Uh, in some magical way. So you have one part matter. What else is in a water molecule? A trillion parts photons. <laughs> one trillion parts photons to one part matter, hydrogen and oxygen. So water is basically liquid light. Now its coherence determines its ability to channel and transmit and transduce and uh, all of those vibrational frequencies within those photons. Now, photons, we think of them as being particles of light. Now, I don't generally subscribe to the theory of particles in general in that kind of Newtonian way, uh, which is another rabbit hole that we can go down. But basically, you can think of them as like uh uh, vortexing densifications of etheric energy within a toroidal field, which more or less kind of become what we consider um, measurable mass in a in this three D world, depending on what point of the vortex that you're in. And so at the smallest point of the vortex, it's the most kind of like mass or matter, but everything is always a vortexes of energy, right? And so these photons are a type of boson. And a boson is basically the interface between the quantum field and physical manifest reality. This is why pretty much every single mystical tradition, every single uh, religious teaching, scriptural teachings, ancient indigenous wisdom teachings, Although they all have many, many, many various different ways and different languages of describing the phenomenon, they all basically come down to the same principle of describing water as the mediator between the human and heavenly, as kind of the the point of communication between the manifest and non-manifest, the physical and non-physical worlds. And that's because all of this information is translated through light, through photonic energy via water into the world of living form and manifest being. Now what's another way of thinking of a photon? We could think of it as a light particle we could think of it as um, uh, these tiny little toroids of of energy of light frequencies that are densifying into form. We could think of it as being a type of boson, a type of interface with the quantum field. But if we <clears throat> look at it in kind of a more scriptural sense, we can think of them as actually being angels. So Rupert Sheldrake co-authored a book called The Physics of Angels, where he discussed how all of the scriptural definitions and all of the definitions that were channeled by Christian mystics like uh, Hildegard of Bingen and some others around what angels actually are, how they behave, how they appear, how, uh, how humans can interact with them and communicate with them. So he describes all of that in the book, and then he describes all of quantum physicists' understandings of what a photon fundamentally is, right? And they match up in such beautiful symmetry that fundamentally and foundationally, photons are these legions of angels deployed by the divine to be messengers of light. Light is information, right? And to be messengers of this that can be non-localized. Now, the fo- photons are non-localized and so are angels. In other words, they are exactly where they need to be when they need to be there, but can't necessarily be pinpointed in space otherwise, in space or time. And so water is one trillion parts angelic light to one part matter, hydrogen and oxygen. So when you really understand how to ennoble and optimize water... Then you start realizing how you can bring through a lot more quantum energy, a lot more light, a lot more um, just higher vibrational fields into this reality, into existence through your body, through your drinking water, through water in the environment, water in nature, you know, rivers, lakes. They all need this kind of energy. And humans have been rerouting them and and polluting them and and really denigrating them for, for generations now. And the climate as a whole is suffering because of it. But even if you, you know, are interfacing with your, your garden or your pets or your loved ones or your, your husband or your wife, you know, fundamentally what is channeling that which you love about that person, their their energy, their frequency, their vibration, What how it feels to be around them. It's the water in their bodies, right? Water is the conduit of all life force energy. In fact, the exact same measurement that we use for hydration is the same measurement that we use for prana or mana or chi, we measure someone's hydration using something called a phase angle meter. Now that's a measure of how much energy, how much vibration your cell membranes can bring across. And that tells us, how much water your cells are bringing across because that osmotic process is a hydroelectric process. The amount of voltage or electricity at the cell membranes is directly proportional to your level of hydration. Prana, mana, chi, and hydration are the same. They are interchangeable because water is what channels all of the, the frequency and the chi in your body. And so there are different kinds of water in the body that channel different uh, layers of our, of our Energy system, right? So whereas your fascia channels your subconscious mind and stores your subconscious memories, your cerebral spinal fluid. Channels your soul, channels those specific, specific vibrational frequencies that correlate to your superconscious mind. Right? You know, as the as Dr. Randolph Stone says, the soul swims in CSF, and as um, the spiritual teacher Niskar Dada said, uh, when the fluids come together, the sense "I am" appears. The "I am" literally is the coming together of the um, the cerebral spinal fluid that is channeled in these three specific. Um, Pathways along your spine that correlate exactly to the ida pingala and shushumna. Those aren't just etheric energy pathways; they have very physical pathways in the body, as that uh, cerebral spinal fluid flows. That CSF is only one molecule different from seawater. It is basically literally seawater that is spiraling spiraling and vortexing up your spinal column and your vertebrae, which in uh, German is the spinal column is spiral column. The vertebrae is vortices. So, you know, that should tell you something there about how to really optimize your bio water and your drinking water. And so, you know, that, that cerebral spinal fluid, when we understand to really how to really work with that, we understand how to reach these higher levels of super consciousness. I teach a lot about this in the course called spirit, um, the spirit of water, which is an 18 hour training all on the like deep mystical esoteric and spiritual practices and understandings of water, both from ancient indigenous teachings and scriptural religious teachings and the teachings of, uh, we go into deep space and, uh, astrobiology. And cosmology and physics and quantum physics and all of that to kind of uh, synthesize all of those together in one um, cohesive framework of really understanding the source of life itself. So, if you want to dive more into kind of those topics, I would recommend that course. But um, again, I'll pause for now because I'm I'm down another few rabbit trails. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to take that course for sure. I've taken the Navigating the Waters course, and I highly recommend anyone to take the Navigating the Waters course. It's packed full of information. And I don't want to, like, waste a bunch of your time repeating the things that you can find in that course. But I'm watching the time, and I do want to make sure that we give people, like, utilitarian steps that they can take. Um, My first question is, can you program unstructured water? And, well... I'll just start there.
1: (laughs) Okay. So yes and no. Um, I think of structuring and energizing as being two separate steps, but there is a lot of overlap. Some of the things that structure water will also program the water. Some of the things that program the water will also structure the water. Um, also, just kind of as a Rosetta Stone, when I say structure the, when I say um, energize the water, it's the same as patterning the water, programming the water, energizing the water is basically infusing the water with a specific vibrational frequency uh, or a generalized set of vibrational frequencies. But just making sure that that water is is charged, right? That it has that uh, electrical conductivity and capacitance, and that it that it has the information that it needs to deliver into whatever organic system it's being delivered in to, whether that be, you know, a, a garden or a person. So I think of them as being two different steps, even though there is some overlap because water's ability to store information is directly proportional to its formation. When water is in a formation, it can better store information. So if you expose bulk unstructured water to a specific, um, stimuli, be that an auditory stimuli or a visual stimuli or an electromagnetic stimuli, it's not going to imprint that as well as structured water would imprint it. Not to say that it has no effect, but it has much less to very little effect.
0: Mm -hmm. And what do you think, I guess, you know, I've, like I said, I've taken your Navigating the Waters course and there's a lot of things that you can do to support The water that you put in your body and to be mindful and aware and conscientious and intentional about the waters that we drink. I would love to know like a couple of the things that you think are most important from the perspective of like you're a well resourced person and you can put in the like crazy filter in your house and you can have all the tools to the person who maybe feels overwhelmed by that or does not have accessibility, like little tips that they could do. That are, that are more accessible, whether financially or just accessible in the world.
1: Yeah, totally. So that's why I put the Navigating the Waters e-course together and I will always keep it at $33 no matter what. And I sometimes run sales on it because I want it to be accessible to everyone. And within that, each step has you know, something that is really, really effective, but a little bit more of an investment all the way down to something that is absolutely free. Like each step in the course has free options that anybody can DIY and do it themselves. It sometimes might take a little elbow grease. It sometimes might be a little bit less effective, but you can absolutely do it. And, um, I would say that in general, there are a few steps that I teach. The first step is forage. So if you can, and most people can, it's a lot more accessible than people think. You know, People tend to overestimate what an inconvenience it will be, but let me tell you, it is so worth it to go and find your local springs. So for about 10 years of my life, I only drank exclusively from springs. Even if I was traveling, I would go and find the spring in that area. Even though I was semi-nomadic and moving from place to place, I made my priority to find the springs in that area. And I'll tell you, there is there is nothing more impactful for you as a body of water to make yourself of water that is straight from the earth, that is wild and raw and living and connected with the ecology of the place where you live. It is free, it is highly structured, highly energized, highly uh, ormus rich, highly photon rich. It is some of the most, it is unequivocally the best water. Right. find your local springs, go to a site called findaspring.com and you can uh, find springs in your area. All of the rest of the steps are just to bring water back to its spring quality state. All of the rest of the steps are in a pinch. If you don't have access to spring water, then you can do these things to any type of water that you also in the course you learn like how how the different kinds of water affect you differently what the different waters are how tap water versus bottled water versus well water will affect you differently psychologically and physiologically um but basically how to take any you
0: all of the horrifying <laughs> I thought I knew a lot about tap water and I hadn't you know had straight tap water in many unless I'm like out and I have no control over what water I'm drinking but I was horrified (laughs) that I learned, (laughs) guys. Please take the course. <laughs> it is really affordable, and um, she'll scare you straight and in a good way.
1: <laughs> I mean, the intention is not to scare. That one, yeah, that one module is kind of scary. For sure. And I didn't even get into the atrazine in that, mo- in, in that module. I need to redo the course and, and go over some other some other things. But the rest of the course, I promise, will uh, inspire you. And yes, you
0: <laughs> it is. It is highly inspiring. Do you think? Because I know a lot of people. Um, If they, you know, I've actually checked, like I'm not near a spring where I am now. Um, Do you think that Mountain Valley spring water, I know that's like a go-to for a lot of people. Is that like something that you consider a quality water if you can't access spring?
1: If you have to buy a bottled water at the store, that would be a good Option among the options that are available at the store? Yes. Is it one of my favorite types of water? No. And there are, again, as I said, there are steps that you can take to make any water higher quality. So for that water, for example, I don't actually know if it is spring water or if it's artesian well water because the industry lobbied to have the laws changed so that you can now drill a borehole down into an aquifer and pump up the water, which is premature water in the life cycle of water, and then still label it spring water and put it on a shelf Uh, And people will think that they're drinking spring water. Now, it is a more natural water. And so I do prefer it over other waters on the shelf. But generally speaking, something that's labeled as spring water, 99 times out of 100 is actually artesian well water. So So also be. Very sneaky. And also because it's um it's kept stagnant for a while. When water is stagnant, it's gradually going to lose its structure because movement is one of the most um cohering forces for water, just like it is for our bodies, right? What what do we do when we have trauma or or stuck, um, which is literally stuck patterning or dried places in our body, and we want to re pattern and bring more coherence and bring more hydration to those traumatized areas? Movement is one of the best ways, right? Like really getting into our somatic awareness, putting attention and energy there and actually moving. Um, and so, because our our fascia is a hydraulic network, hydraulic means movement by water. So the more you move it, the more the water can get to those areas. So just as it is with our bodies, it's the same is true with water. The more she moves, the more hydrating she becomes, uh, the more connected and coherent she becomes. So one of the things that I would do to that water is definitely put it through a flow form or put it through a vortex that um, the. the general pattern of of steps that I teach is uh, forage. If you can, and if you can't, then filter structure balance and energize. Right. And then embody is another step. And that's the lifestyle factors that determine how well you'll, you'll actually be able to absorb the water and how well you'll be able to retain it and to put it to use. Um, but just in terms of the drinking water there, um, with something that you buy off the store shelf, you probably won't need to filter it. Although if you're starting with uh, tap water and in some cases, even well water, I would recommend filtration. And then structure. Again, there are a lot of different ways that you can structure the water. Energize, that's just a matter of what energy and information you pattern the water with, what in- what information and what memory it has to deliver into your body because it will become the liquid manifestation of those vibrational signatures. And I have a shop called waterislife.shop Shop. You go to watersnipe.shop, and the whole shop is basically divided into these different steps. So you can find numerous different methods under each one of these categories. You can find all of my top recommended, very well vetted filters, um, my top recommended structurers and energizers, and um, also balance. Uh, did I say balance? Balance is a key step. I'm pretty sure I said it, but I didn't. I didn't describe it. So balance is making sure that water is eating properly, that she is consuming the right minerals and electrolytes and making sure that she's breathing properly, that she's well aerated uh, with oxygen, right? So um, I definitely recommend going on that shop. But if you just want one thing, that is the thing that will do all of the steps so you don't have to think about it and it's nice and convenient and you don't have to do anything manually, even though I still recommend doing things manually because it gives you that personal relationship and communion with the water, which is irreplaceable. It is the most important thing that you can do is to have that personal communion, personal relationship and personal interface with the water where your energy your energy, is in reciprocity with the water itself. There's nothing that can replace that. But if you want something that will filter, structure, balance and energize the water all at once, there's only one thing that will do that. I was so excited when I finally found it. like I said, I've been studying water since 2009 and it was literally 2000 the end of 2021. and I had been teaching all of these steps separately and then 2021 I found this one thing that will do all of them together and that's called the Spring aqua wet 7. It is a um, it goes underneath your sink. it will filter structure, balance and energize the water and aerate it by suffusing high therapeutic doses of molecular hydrogen, which we didn't get into the magic of hydrogen this time, but suffice it to say, it's basically the most medicinal substance in the universe, not just on earth, but in the universe. It is the fuel of life as uh, Nobel prize winner, Albert St. Georgie said, literally the fuel of life. So one of the most important factors in how hydrating water is, is what kind of hydrogen and how much hydrogen it has. So the spring aqua is my favorite tool. It's what I personally use here at home. So It uses the water with molecular hydrogen. Uh, again, yeah, filters, structures, energizes, balances, all of that stuff. So if you just want one thing, that would be the one thing.
0: I love it. I love it. I'm gonna look into that when I have a home again and I can put something <laughs> under
1: my sink. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, they even have—they oh actually have a version if somebody is living in a dorm room or is um, living from place to place or is living—even uh, they fit really well in um, RVs as well. If you're doing the van life thing, they have the the Spring Aqua Wet Three model, which is the tiny one that you can bring around.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. I will check that out. And yeah, her shop is amazing. I have Isabel's work linked all over the collective, <laughs> like April <laughs> we'll Shocker Workshop in fashion classes. I'll talk about something she said in one of her, in the workshop, and then I will link her work. I, I highly recommend checking out her shop and her courses. There's a couple of questions I have before we hop off. I wanted to ask you because I, I'd be remiss since Pluto moves into Aquarius today, which has a lot to do with technology and structures. And I know in your course, you speak to some of the, like the big things that need changing around the way that we've structured water as a society. And I don't mean structured water in a good way. I mean, the structures that we have in place as a society to deliver water. What would be your biggest hope? For this time?
1: Oh, that's such a big question. Okay, I'm going to try not to go down too much of a rabbit hole with this. But, you know, because water is the most ancient and most wise intelligent being that holds all of the memory and all of the patterns for every living being on this earth uh, and codes, universally speaking, as well, we have to start recognizing and honoring water's sentience and her intelligence and her sensitivity and her consciousness. And that sounds like a very um, ungrounded esoteric thing to say, but it has very, very grounded, specific, practical applications and the strategies that we employ for things like agriculture. For example, currently 70% of water use worldwide is agriculture. And um, due to the incredibly wasteful systems that we use agriculture is one of the primary causes of climate change because it's one of the primary drivers of desertification because we still promote drip irrigation worldwide which wastes 60 to 80 percent of the water that is actually put into the system so when we start centering all of agriculture around water which is the primary driver of health in every ecosystem including farms and gardens uh, then not only do you stop desertifying areas through poor farming practices, but you also get greater nutrient density in the food. You get greater photon radiation from the food, meaning more energy that it delivers into those who eat it. You also get less crops. In essence, you get crops that last longer through the season and that are more resilient to, um, pests. So you need fewer pesticides and you also, uh, don't need as many fertilizers. You know, if you, uh, expose water to green light, it creates more nitrogen in the soil. If you expose water to yellow light, it creates more magnesium in the soil. Just understanding the way to work with water frequency and light alone could so revolutionize agriculture. And I tell you what, if we changed agriculture, the climate would no longer be an issue. And I don't say that lightly. You can look into the the work of um, Dr. Walter Genet and some other climatologists who say that, you know, we are just chasing our tails following this carbon issue, which is fundamentally just a ploy of capitalism to generate more revenue. Carbon only mediates about 4% of energy transfer in our atmosphere. 96% of energy transfer is mediated by water, right? And you can trace a, dis- a direct correlation between desertification and temperature rising. What do you do on a hot day if you're boiling hot? You put some cold water on your skin. It cools you off. Everybody knows this, right? Water is is the cooler of the planet. And it also sequesters greenhouse gases. The more water you have in the atmosphere, it sequesters greenhouse gases and pulls them into the soil. We talk about soil sequestration, but soil can't sequester Uh, greenhouse gases unless it is properly hydrated. We talk about the dearth of microbiota uh, diversity in the soil and how important it is to restore the soil microbiome. Well, we're just starting to discover now by the work of researchers like Dolph Zantiga, uh, who's using the laboratory of Dr. Fritz Albert Popp, who was a Nobel prize winner and some of the work that they're doing now that the more coherent and full spectrum the water is, coherent being a measure of its structure and then full spectrum being a measure of its energy, how many different uh, frequencies of energy it actually has within the spectrum. Um, So the more coherent and full spectrum the water is, it can actually completely restore microbiome diversity, even in a place where the microbiome has been completely depleted. Meaning you can't even measure a little bit of certain strains of microbiota that need to be in that, um, in that soil or in that gut. You can't even measure them anymore. They're completely gone. And yet full spectrum coherent water has all of the vibrational codes to restore genetic material that isn't even there to begin with, right? Isn't even measurable to begin with. You can rest- completely restore microbiome diversity using the right kind of water. So when we, when we understand what it means that water is life, We're going to stop chasing all of these rabbit trails in a thousand different directions and start just becoming more coherent, cohesive and focused. And okay, if we focus on this one thing, this is the one thing that affects everything, not just when it comes to agriculture, but when it comes to medicine as well, when it comes to our health, fundamentally, when you understand yourself as a body of water you start to recognize, as Dr. Batmangalaj and others have said, that every single state of disease in the body is actually a manifestation of a different kind of dehydration. That every name for any disease that we have is synonymous with various kinds of dehydration, whether that dehydration is a deviation from the oceanic mineral profile in the biowater, or it's a deviation from your ideal isotopic uh, composition of the hydrogen atoms, you know, be they more deuterium or more protium. Hydrogen, or whether it's a, the volume of water in the body, or whether it's a matter of the structure and therefore the energetic capacitance of the water in the body, which directly affects cell voltage, um, uh, pH, it directly affects um, inflammation, etc. That fundamentally, hydration is the foundational cornerstone of health. And there have been so many doctors and scientists who have corroborated this now in various different ways from various different angles and avenues that it just simplifies things. When you understand that water is life, it just simplifies things. And I think humanity has gotten far too complicated. You know, we like to complexify things because we have these quote unquote complex minds, right? But um, there's a hermetic principle that says that God's law is one. Right, the law of nature is one, and the the farther we get from one law, the more and more and more and more and more laws we create. The farther we get from that truth of unity, and you know, and all we don't have to look any farther than the political process to see that. I mean, there are what. Tens of thousands of laws that are passed per day in our in our legislature, and water even holds the keys to economic, sociological, and political processes as well. When you recognize that water is actually the queen of the earth, and she is uh, what what. Uh, Mitigates the passage of all information. She's what mitigates the laws of nature. She's what mitigates the uh, communication between different uh, entities within nature. You recognize that that she preaches, she she practices and preaches decentralization of power, right? She preaches the the uh, sovereignty of each living being. When you understand water, how water works in nature. There are a lot of ways to extrapolate the political processes, sociological processes, economic processes from that in a way that lifts up every living being on this earth instead of the the current uh, capitalistic paradigms that we have now, which, I mean, again, we could go on a rabbit trail of that. There's no, there is no wealth on this planet without water. As Victor Schauberger said, water is the capital of capital. There is no capital without water. There is no wealth that is produced without water. There is no wealth that is based on anything other than water. If you want to grow any product, you want to create any good or service, you want to transport it anywhere, water is necessary for all of those things. Without water, there is no wealth. And when we start flipping the paradigm from focusing on wealth and ignoring water to focusing on water and letting wealth be a byproduct of that, everything will shift. It Ugh. comes down to is it, is it implosive? Is our is our focus implosive or is it explosive? That would change everything.
0: So good. So good. I'm glad you I'm glad you focused on agriculture too. Like, have you seen Kiss the Ground? I love that movie so much just for the ways in which it speaks to simple changes in regenerative agriculture that can create massive shifts you know in in the environment and the ecology and supportive interdependent structures
1: so absolutely yeah for anybody who's interested more in um agriculture and in uh, regenerative farming practices and, and um, permaculture and biodynamics and all of that kind of thing. I highly, highly, highly recommend the work of Water Stories. Um, I think it's waterstories.com and on Instagram, it's wearewaterstories. And in particular, their course, which is called the core course, which will literally teach you how to take any desertified region and turn it into a food forest over the course of a few years. I'm um, just by focusing on water and working with the hydrological cycle specifically as a cascade effect from that, um, soil microbiome diversity, uh, topsoil nutrient density, like, um, you know, even just, just general fertility of the land is so high. It's incredible. I mean, they can like, um, They've worked with with um, several masters like Rajendra Singh, who is considered the waterman of India. And um I'm spacing on the names of a of a few of the other ones, but they've worked with incredible people who have literally turned deserts into food forests. So no matter what kind of land you're starting to work with, there absolutely is a way to turn it into a lush, fertile landscape. And if humanity started realizing some of these principles, even the Saharan desert could be a fertile and beautiful land. So yeah, it's, it's so important to understand the hydrological cycles within and without.
0: Thanks for sharing that resource. I will definitely check it out. Um, Okay. Well, in closing, since um, we were kind of speaking about on a collective scale, honoring the sentience of water, do you have one to two practices that you really love for honoring water? Whether it's blessing water or um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Will you go ahead because I
1: can't think of that word? <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah I mean there are so many different ones there are so many different practices I teach a lot of them in my courses um but as I said I really think the most important thing that we can do is really humble ourselves to learn from water it's not necessarily about us with our our limited perspectives and egos programming water with the information that we think that the water should have um although that can be you know a fun technique to play with sometimes I think the most important thing is really just sitting and listening and communing and and being quiet and wondering and asking and creating a space for that reciprocal dynamic communion to take place because water is communicating all the time. We just haven't opened our senses to actually hear and perceive it. And so there are a lot of practices that can open your senses to be able to communicate with with water and and to um, you know, perceive her her personal messages to you and her collective messages to all of us and. Um, I teach some of those in the spirit of water course. I also have a workbook that you can get, um, which is the water communion workbook, the courses and the workbooks and the seminars and everything, the the webinars, there's some free content. There's a lot of stuff. It's all available at waterslife.academy. And I think the workbook, um, yeah, it's a water communion workbook. It'll teach you methods like hydromancy, which is a type of water divination. There are a lot of different methods of water divination that have been used in various cultures throughout the ages around the world. And you'll learn, I think, about six, no, six to twelve different hydromancy techniques in that workbook. Um, so whatever resonates with you personally, even if it's just a matter of lying down by the stream and listening to it. Gurgle and splash and flow, even if it's a matter of just once or twice a day, just dipping your hand in the water and numbing and silencing everything except for the texture and the viscosity and the direction of flow and the texture, and just really, really focusing in on everything that water is showing you in that moment. Every way that we possibly can with all of our senses, you know, even if it's spritzing your face with some water, but really taking that moment to really feel the water seep into your skin. There are so many opportunities that we have to commune with with water, and normally we just are completely um, unpresent with them. We just kind of completely ignore them, but water is, is always there as a sentient living mother to all of us, ready and willing to console and to uh, counsel us all the time.
0: So good. So good. Um, I I listened to a podcast recently with Dax Shepard interviewing Russell Brand and afterwards he was like, I could barely keep up. I felt like I couldn't even ask questions. That's that's kind of how I felt like you just had my brain firing on like 45 different directions (laughs) every time you talked. And It was so lovely having you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I could have 14 conversations with you. You are such a wealth of wisdom and her spaces are such a wealth of wisdom too. Tell them one more time where they can find you.
1: Yeah, you can find the courses at waterslife.academy and you can find the products at waterislife.shop, and you can follow me on Instagram at Jen Isabel Friend, um, and I'm also on YouTube. I'm also, uh, I think one of my assistants has me on uh, TikTok and Pinterest and I'm a lot of different places, but those are the main places that you can find me is um Yeah. Is, is those websites. And, um, I'll just give a a brief overview because I know when you go to waters Academy, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming, like, ah, what do I get? There's so many things. Um, so I'll just give like a a quick intro. If you want to know what to do to your drinking water to bring it back to spring quality, you want the course called navigating the waters. If you're interested in your internal bio waters and how you are a body of water, there's a course called, um, aquatic body that is kind of an introductory course to that topic. But if you want a deep dive into the real heady science and like a professional level training on um, your, your anatomy and your biology and truly healing your bio waters in and, and every effective way, there's a course called Internal Oceans. And if you're interested in the spiritual, the esoteric, the mystical, the ancient wisdom teachings, the quantum teachings, all of that, Um, then you want the course called spirit of water. And I look forward to seeing you guys in there. Yeah. Join me in the Academy. I'd love to meet you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's been such a joy to come on and chat with you today. I appreciate the invitation.